0: Welcome to Season 2 of Conscious Conversations, where we aim to inspire deep and meaningful interactions that grow into a community of practice that is committed to healing, resilience, and expansion. In this season, our focus is on Africa, the fountain of humanity, the great Mother Africa, a land research is increasingly confirming to be home of the first humans to evolve. Research also confirms that early humans migrated out of Africa into Asia about 2 million years ago and into Europe about 1.5 million years ago. The long and short of it, Africa is where it started. In this season's Conscious Conversations, We speak with spiritual teachers and thought leaders about the ways in which we can unearth the wisdom of the old that calls us back to listen, learn, remember, restore, and heal. I am Mabatomundze. Welcome. Quality education is said to promise highly developed and empowered individuals who can explore the peculiarities of their environment to obtain expertise and knowledge that will lead to innovation and advancement within a society. The word education, often referred to in the context of deliberate effort to equip the unequipped with facts, knowledge, skills and competencies that will enable them to function as adults in a specific society. For decades, education in Africa has been disseminated through different colonial entities, such as missionaries, merchants, and governments, each with their own purpose. While African countries have been liberated from colonial rule for many years, the legacies and biases of colonialism on the education system and its subcomponents, such as the curriculum and research fields, continue to influence local knowledge systems, philosophies and perspectives. In this conversation, we speak to Yandi Swakakaza about the relevance of local knowledge, culture and spirituality in reframing and implementing educational change in Africa to build a continent that is more representative of itself. Yandi is a social change agent passionate about the provision of equal opportunities for all to thrive. Her focus is on harnessing human potential for the benefit of collective advancement. She works with teenagers, parents and leaders across sectors. She has spent many years working in the education sector, establishing and leading schools. Yandiswa believes education is amongst some of the key institutions in nation building and raising a generation of human beings that will take humanity forward. Who is Yandiswa? I'll start by saying that Yandiswa
1: is really someone who is has been attempting to understand her role, you know, in the broader society that um, I am born in and how I can contribute um, to move society forward. But then also in simple terms, i how old am I? I'm 35, I'm 36. There, <laughs> there about <laughs> uh, mother of three um wife to and I am a firstborn child um have I've got two siblings I have been in the education space actually education has been one of the most important spaces i've occupied mm. I've found my greatest joy and pain um in in that space because it's symbolic of the society we find ourselves in, and it always reflects back to us some of the things we must face. Um, education as an institution broadly does that. Yeah, so that's, that's me in a nutshell. Mm.
0: So growing up, I mean, we're always taught um, you need to get an education, focus on your education. Mm. What is the brand promise of education, and does education deliver on that promise? My understanding of
1: that is the brand promise is that if you are armed with education, you will have a good life, you will get a job, you will uh, have a pension fund, you will be able to get yourself out of whatever um, social structure you find, you know, social upward mobility. That's what effectively education promises us.
2: Mm
1: And it's a pity because <laughs> it's so much more than that. Mm. It should be so much more than that, right? And people go to extreme measures to then regurgitate everything that we find in our textbooks mm. so that they can get this promise. So the process is not about attaining a skill or even finding what it is that you want to do. Mm. It's about just ticking the box
0: so that it's a means to an end. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because I was reading an article and something struck out for me. And it said, education is about teaching our children how to think and not what to think. What's your take on that? Absolutely. I mean,
1: I agree with that totally, right? Using my experience here that the more we teach the kids what to think, what Right. I mean, the, it's like facts. It's like we have Google now, right? Um, that can tell us what it is that we need to know. Google Assist. What's the biggest mountain in the world? Mm. Really? do you have to have that in your curriculum you know so the the, the recall and the regurgitation of facts and uh, and this rote learning style is so primitive
2: mm. um
1: we must be teaching our children how to think i'm beginning to question whether we know how to think And maybe because we don't know how to think, we don't know how to teach how to think. Mm. Um, And and fundamentally, really, at the heart of it, education is about teaching others how to think, not what to think. Because each soul is here for their own purpose, and they will come to their knowledge of what it is they're supposed to do in their own terms. But we must then provide the signposts that will lead them there. Mm. And that's effectively what's
0: what education is supposed to do. Mm. I think it's such a um, travesty that understanding that the education we've received and that our children continue to to receive is based on um, the colonial background, right? So even if they are being taught what to think, they are still being taught to think in a colonial way. Do you think there is any interest in decolonizing or from government to decolonize? Or maybe not even from government only, right? Um, from institutions, public institutions, private institutions. Is it in anyone's interest to decolonize education and, you know, to, to teach our children different facts? Because even the facts that they are being taught are not true. Mm. You know, most of what is in the curriculum, you look at a subject like history, it is not indicative of who we are as a country, where we come from. Um, Yeah, so just... Mm. I mean, that's such a
1: loaded question, right? Because it has so many layers to it. So if we must teach our kids facts, can they at least be accurate? Mm. Right? And, um, and they must be, but then we, we can't, we would need to dig deeper and say, how did the education we have come about to begin with and whose interest was it trying to serve? Which you've already alluded to, um, that it's, it's, it's colonial in nature, right? we we were taught what we what what our colonizers believed we needed to know Mm. Um, and there's that african proverb about if the lion's story continues to be told by the hunter the hunter continues to be the hero right Mm. that's where we are and and so if we are going to teach people anything about our history and about who we are and about the world the least we really can do is to make that accurate, but the question is, whose interest is it to have it accurately taught anyway? Is it the government's interest? Is it is government controlled by other governments or by other forces? And who are those forces and what's their agenda? Um, and so we must understand these things are much deeper than, than, than what we see, right? So what is the underpinning force that is driving this inaccurate teaching, um, that, that, that happens in our schools and who does it serve ultimately? And once we can answer that question, we will then realize, Whose interest it is in to continue teaching in accuracy mm. and whose interest it's in to then change it, right? Change it, we must. Uh, if we, our history must be depicted in the way that it happened. Um, and I think it's unfortunate. And it's not just even history. For me, Mabata, I think it's also history is critical, um, but it's also what are we teaching our kids? And, and And if you look at what we are teaching in our curriculum, and you ask yourself, but where are we going? Who are we trying to be? Mm. You know, who are we actually trying to be? And is this curriculum that we teach fit for purpose, given who we are as a people and where we are trying to go? Mm. It is not fit for purpose right so there's 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 a lot of compelling reason and and the decolonization of the curriculum discussion for me is also important but we it needs to go further than just to decolonize decolonize to look what way for what purpose that will lead us where and we must answer those questions so that we can then begin to craft what decolonization is going to look like.
0: Mm, I like that because then it forces us to ask what type of society do we want? Ultimately, what type of society do we want? In understanding the nature of a school setting, the school environment, a lot of socialization or conformity happens mm-hmm. within the school environment. So conforming to cultural behaviors, uh moral norms, I suppose, or standards. So there's a lot that happens within the school environment or within education, mm. how we look at things from what lens. You know, in one of the previous conversations I had on the podcast, somebody was saying for, for Africans – a family is not only confined to mum and dad and sister mm. and brother. A family for us extends to manwani, you know, yes. which is an aunt, but yes. the word aunt does not encompass Quite. no it doesn't <laughs> um uh, capture what we mean in in our culture and across tribes in Africa right so how do we then? Manage those sort of things, the cultural identity, which informs the type of leaders we mold, right? Mm. So, what mm. type of culture do we need to develop? Whose responsibility is it to develop these cultures, these moral norms, um, within our schools? Mm. Um, you know? Tough question. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> <laughs> because, wow, it's a multifaceted. Um, You know, schools are both a reflection of the society they find themselves in. But they are also the place where identities are formed. And what we see happen in schools is that it's not so much the predominant culture that plays out, but the culture that is put on a pedestal. Mm. By that school mm. or by those institutions. And so if the culture, if, 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 if the society that the school finds itself in is predominantly African, but the value system of the school is predominantly Eurocentric, the African in that school must assimilate to the Eurocentrism of the school. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So when we speak of the question of culture and schools and the role that schools play when it comes to culture we must understand that there's a there's a lot of dynamics at play there and it is unfortunate that more times than not um some of the best schools in this country have a eurocentric underpinning and a eurocentric grounding um though that eurocentric grounding might be religious It is still Eurocentric. Mm. And it is a situation of fit in or get out, right? Um, and, and so the, there is not yet at least an attempt to say we are in Africa, number one. Two, we are in South Africa. Mm. Three, we must acknowledge the reality of the environment that these Eurocentric schools find themselves in and then adapt our ways and our
0: behaviors around those facts. And I suppose that influences how we view success, right? If our framing, if our conditioning is that of Eurocentric values, it means that even the things we aspire towards that look like success or that have been framed to represent success, become very disconnected from who we are as a people in
1: Africa? That's right. I mean, to have been colonized means that you were subdued as a people Mm. and that the culture of the colonizer became the the.
2: Dominant culture.
1: Mm. And so naturally, yes, um, we, we were colonized and we are living in the legacy of colonization. And what that means is that we are still going to fill the remnants of that. Mm. We are still going to uphold our colonizers culture because that's what colonization means, right? How do you then go back to who you were before you were colonized. And that's really what we are grappling with here Mm. because we have lost a sense of self, one. We have lost a sense of confidence in who we were, two. We have lost our children who believe that Mm. this Eurocentric way is better than the African way, three. We have lost so much in the process of being colonized. And now we, we, we we are trying to bring that back. And we probably have to deal with the fact that it's going to be hard, right? Because we also are facing globalization, and 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 for some people, it really does feel like we're going backwards when we are mm. saying, "Hey guys, um, there are African ways," and it's like, "Yeah, but uh, what are the African ways going to do for me?" I'm Absolutely. trying to get to UK,
0: yeah. right? Mm. So, so we we're dealing with a lot. Sure. And and where does one find that balance? You know, it's like the issue of language in our homes. Um as a mom, it requires a deliberate effort to speak your native language with your children because of exactly that question, where would you rather have your child be more fluent in english because when they go for a job interview chances are they will be judged on whether they can speak well or not and speak english well that's globalization that is globalization so where do we find the balance yeah especially where our kids are concerned of what value is learning and being fluent being able to write a thesis or whatever mm. in your home language <sighs> what value does it bring to to us as individuals um that are trying to get out of poverty because remember education also because of its promise right of a better quality of life standards of living one wants to be amongst those people who can afford to do certain things. But then where does one draw the line? Uh, you know that the movie uh, Wakanda? Yes. The, the question reminds me of
1: that because in the movie we see how advanced that nation mm-hmm. is. It is advanced. They are not sitting back and saying, ah, oh, technology is nothing on us. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They are up to date with what is happening globally. Mm-hmm. They are skilling themselves up with the necessary skills to either fight back, to protect their resources, to an intelligence to understand what is happening out there that might negatively affect us. And yes, that may require English. So we, that is important. Mm-hmm. And I think we must hold the truth of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whilst then also looking at Wakanda and seeing how their cultural customs... And they are and, and and the things that they do to either to um connect to their ancestors or either to honor their people ceremonies that they have those are still there mm. despite them being one of the most powerful nations globally, That's right amazing. so it's about the balance mm. both must hold, mm. and I think the danger in our children not knowing their languages is that and also you, there is a nuancedness in language. The context of the language, the language tells us of our culture and how we must show up. The language commands in us a behavior that is expected by our culture, mm. right? And so when you lose language, you, you lose culture. And that's why it's important for us to continue speaking. Our languages Mm. to write in them to document our history to translate it's critical it is it is so important i mean it's one of the things we still have that the colonizers didn't take with them Mm. so why give that away too
0: Mm. you know
1: so yeah i i I think these things are complex but they are also quite
0: simple Mm. the willingness is there a willingness because it, it it also means it's extra effort right and I don't know if people are are willing to put in the effort required and to swim against the current because it requires some kind of bravery, right? And being able to stand your ground and knowing what it is that you want. So mm-hmm. I suppose the big question is, do the powers that be, people who regulate the curriculum, do they want it? or they're also okay to to clap for or for the master and and maybe continue being puppets of of the system i mm. don't know i don't know but in terms of the actual classroom how do you think an education system or a classroom that um I don't want to use the word accommodate because this is Africa. It's not about us being accommodated, but a classroom that represents who we are as a people. What does that look like for you?
3: Mm.
1: It's, I think it's symbolic. Firstly, just walking into it. Mm. It must look like it represents me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It must look, it, it must be relatable. It must have re- items that I know this is a representation of my people. I feel I'm in Africa. And I think, I mean, those are just small things. Like our schools look like prisons, right? And, and at their best, they look like uh, a European school. So I, I would say, can they, can they re- look like they are in Africa? Um and, and I mean there's a lot we can do in that space in how we design our classrooms. Um but also I think they would look representative of the people. So if you go to most schools, um former Model C schools, even private schools, you will see that there is a disproportionate number of black teachers to white teachers. In fact, most schools don't have black teachers unless they are the Zulu teacher. Mm or the sutu teacher, right? Mm. Um, And the entire staff complement is not representative of the Mm. country it finds itself in, or the school finds itself in. So that too matters because our kids must be able to see themselves in the members of authority in their environments, and not just as the cleaner,
3: Mm. the gardener,
1: the security, but the authority as well.
3: Right. Mm.
1: Um, because, uh, black people in South Africa are not just relegated to those roles. And our schools don't say the same thing. Actually, our schools say a whole different story. Right. When you mm. look at the stuff complements, um, let alone the leadership layer. Right. Uh, so, so the, the, just a few low hanging fruit, like just, Tangible things with not even going into curriculum, which we touched on briefly, but just those, those two key things for me would, would mean we've, we've covered a lot of ground already.
0: Mm. Going back into the curriculum, you know, the issue of language. I was watching this other video and somebody was saying a lot of black Young people, when they get to universities, these are young children who went to private schools, mm. right? But then when, and they passed well, when they get into universities, they struggle, they fall behind in relation to their white peers, right? And the gentleman was saying he believes it's mostly because language contributes so much to how people comprehend things. So the context gives you a particular framing and you are able to take the topic at hand and you contextualize it mm. based on your background. So it makes better sense for you. You are able to comprehend it. Um, mm-hmm. And black students struggle. And you are saying it is because the model of education of it has European roots. So that is the context in which it is being delivered. And now for an African child, there's a vacuum, there's a gap because you don't come from that context. And so your understanding falls short. Mm. Right? That is so true. That is, so And I true. don't know if it is something that that most institutions of higher learning take into consideration when delivering the learning material?
1: Look, I hope they do, but I don't think they do. I have a friend of based in East London. Um, her name is Bumgazi, and she's been working in this space for a long time, and she made such a compelling example that broke my heart. And she said that, you know, textbooks will come, government textbooks will come with examples about you know a gate motor not working it's an example <laughs> and a child in rural deep eastern cape has no comprehension of what this example that is trying to demystify a rather complex theory theory mm. and using this gate motor example to help the child Further understand
0: Natalia has no idea what a gate motor looks like.
1: So what I'm understanding from your question is that even in university mm. we continue to see the same problems. Mm. Is that we, we we are taking a minority experience and we are we are pushing it onto a majority um, people who who really don't have. Any experience of these examples we find in our textbooks, mm. because who writes the textbook anyway? Mm. Right? Who writes that textbook? And that's another topic for another day because are we churning out any information as Africans? Mm. Or are we just happy to show researchers around and show them what we know and where more information can be found? And then those researchers write those in, in, in their own names. And then take those examples and use their own understanding of the world. And then they sell back the information, the information to us. So I, I'm not convinced that universities are doing it because schools are not doing it. Private schools, government schools. Um, and, and really there's, there's advocacy around it, but I suppose just not strong enough to change anything just yet.
0: Mm. Mm. And so when it comes to, cultural norms and values considering we are more and more becoming globalized right Mm -hmm. um how do we become relevant even in us wanting to preserve our identity as africans what are the sort of values um and and norms and standards We should be talking about how should education, broadly speaking, how should education be delivered to produce leaders who can actually lead? Hmm. Sure. You know
1: what? Earlier you asked the question that who are we trying to be? Because if we understand, if, if we can answer that, everything else, is easier to answer right who are we trying to be and if you think about africans let's take the concept of ubuntu which is now a global concept mm-hmm. actually taught across different universities in the world right um it's it's an african concept Ubuntu, mm-hmm. and there are many other african philosophies and concepts um whether they are referenced as african is another question right mm. but take a wonder how do we remain relevant we tell our stories in the ways in which they should be told and we say hey we have figured something out about raising children that the world might want to emulate right the concept of it takes a village I mean, you go to a village right now, you will see it play out, mm. right? No adult is going to pass a child doing a uh, misdemeanor and pretend they didn't see it. Mm. They will reprimand that child as they should, even if they don't know them, mm. right? I mean, th- th- that's, that's a whole ideology around raising children. What does community mean? So we have a lot. We just do not have the media to convince the whole world that we have something that the world can benefit from Mm. in the ways in which we conduct ourselves as Africans in the ways in which we interact with each other in the ways in which we respect each other in the ways in which we trust in the ways in which we handshake in the ways in which we take off a hat and why we do that when a man enters a home, there is a lot we Mm. have. And I think we have come to take it for granted that these ways of being in society embed values that the world needs to know Mm. because they are such great values that would make for a better peaceful society because that's what we see in our villages Mm. today, right? I always tell the story of how my mother lives in um and in the village where she lives, there, there, there is dire poverty. Right? Mm-hmm. But you would never see one person not eating, not being clothed. The community finds one of the most elegant ways to cover those people who are, f- who should be on the streets
3: mm-hmm. effectively.
1: But those people are dignified. You would never know unless mm-hmm. someone told you
3: mm-hmm. that you
1: know that man sitting over there is this and this is that so i think we have a lot as africans Mm. and a lot has been learned from us
3: Mm. just really
1: not referenced Mm. well some of it is referenced but
0: a lot of it not Mm. and within the actual school or education system as africans in africa what and as parents as well what are the things we could be focusing on? I mean, earlier we spoke about teaching our children how to think and not what to think. More so because we are more and more being exposed to diversity, mm. whether it's in terms of gender, in terms of race, mm. physically challenged people. Mm. You know, now we understand that you can have... um uh, a child with dyslexia, you know all of those things, and there's room there's space for everyone to exist right um in in our society, but we are still not seeing that we are still seeing a lot of discrimination we are we are still seeing that people who are gifted differently are uh, are also not necessarily embraced fully by society. How do we create a more tolerant education system, an education system that is more inclusive? In South Africa alone, we have so many languages, you know, and within those languages, there are other languages (laughs) that are not necessarily, you know, the part of the national language list how do we embrace that diversity and share that with our children within the school environment? Because that's where they spend most of their time, right? How do you think we can do that to create an inclusive society, to create a society that is depicting who we are as a people?
1: Mm, That's such a great question. Because I think we are obsessed with assimilation and uniformity and normalization. And we don't want, we don't appreciate, we dispel anything that seeks to deviate away from what we are trying to get everyone to be, you know. And, and you're right, we are so different as a people in terms of our perceptions of the world in terms of our world views in terms of our lived experiences in terms of our language gender race there are just so many differences and it's just an intolerance for difference Mm. and at the heart of all of these difficulties we see um that are driving us against unity it's 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 wanting to assume that everyone is the same I mean, my three kids are not the same by any stretch of imagination. So how do we expect a group of kids in a school environment to be the same? Mm. Right. And it's our intolerance. And, and, and perhaps it's easier for me to be, to manage my three kids if I treat them like they are the same. Mm. And so the problem then means that it is the people in positions of authority that are trying to create everyone in the same way, so that it is easy for those people to manage control. Mm. Because then we want you to be the same. Mm. The moment you deviate from the norm, you're causing me a problem because I don't know how, I can't predict how you're going to act, mm. which means I can't control you. Um, so, so, so there's elements of control, there's elements of intolerance, there's elements of, um, just, just, really lack of awareness as a people um but at 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 some level i think there is awareness um and it is the fear of almost that what would these people do if they knew who who they were Mm. right if you were in your power and you knew who you were and and you were not trying to be anything else no. other than... You're not trying to be conventional. You're not trying to follow the rules. I mean, whoa, what kind of society are we going to have now? And then people start panicking, and so we have to create uniformity. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but your question then is, how do we do it?
3: Mm. And
1: it even starts with parents, right, who perhaps have a child who who is not um, the same as their other two children mm. in their understanding or their intellectual abilities. And, and, and some parents will want to work their rest of their lives trying to make them normal. Mm. Right. Instead of just letting them be who they are and working with that. Schools do the same. Governments do the same. Mm. Right. So I suppose I've just mapped out the problem and, and, and some of the solutions would really be about it goes back to. To understanding, to compassion, to love, to awareness, to understanding that people are really not the same and that's okay. Mm. What makes it difficult for us is that we think it's not okay for people to be different. Mm. And then we create policies, systems, laws, rules Mm. so that we can regulate them back to normalty to enable us to control them. Mm. Um, so, so once we can get those those things around just it's okay for people not to to, to be, be the same yeah
0: mm. we'll, we'll be fine things like using your hands creativity mm-hmm. is such a big thing in african history i mean when you look at our ability to craft things, whether it's creating artwork using beads, Mm. whether it's sculptures, whether it's music. You know, we are very creative people. But that does not seem, or over the years, it does not seem to be something that has been embraced in the education system. We're using your hands. And I know at some point there used to be technical colleges Where people who are more, who are not more inclined to, you know, textbook sort of like understanding, you know, could still find a way of discovering their talents and themselves. And all of that is not Mm -hmm. in mainstream education. Uh, but if you were to find a private school, yes, you do have, you know, those sort of like, uh, options where your child can do art they can do music but that comes at a cost right but in your average public school our children don't have that and it's such a big part of who we are as africans why has that not been prioritized mm-hmm. in in public schools at least uh, it's because what do
1: we prioritize as a society right yeah your your opening question was what is the promise of education to mm-hmm. begin with right And if the promise of education is that you get a job, we're going to give you what we believe will get you a job,
3: Mm.
1: not what we believe would unlock your spirit sure, and lead you back to yourself, because that is not what we, that is not the promise of education and that is why we don't see art in our schools mm. um and that is why we don't where where there is art it is not put at the same pedestal as math's
3: mm. uh
1: and and the awards for it are different and um we make less noise about it mm. right because what do we value as a society is is reflected back into what we teach and what we Applaud in our schools, and so it's just a mere—it's a mirror of what we actually value as a society, and clearly we don't value the arts. Mm. And I mean, we could go on about the benefits of the arts and what those you know mean for us as people, but um, really, your your question is that why are we not seeing it in our schools? It is really because we've forgotten who we are
3: mm. or
1: we choose not to remember or we do not see the value. We we no longer see the value. And maybe that's where that balancing around not forgetting who you are but also being globally competitive then comes in to say you don't have to lose your entire essence of who you are as a person in, in order for you to gain you know, these global skills and global competitiveness. And it seems like we've made that trade
0: mm.
3: and we've chosen
1: But I mean,
0: our... e- even in the way we deliver education right now, I mean, you look at the past 20 years, uh, people who were in grade 12, 20 years ago, are now leaders of organizations, institutions, the government. And <laughs> I think we can agree we have a leadership problem, crisis. So that is what... We have produced is no one seeing that it's not working. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because how we are right now, the society we have right now is a reflection of the systems we have, including the education system. So what, what are we actually teaching if people don't even know how to lead an organization?
1: Yeah, you know, the leadership thing breaks my heart because, yeah, leaders have authority over our lives. They do. I mean, they basically make decisions on our behalf, whether that leader is in your company and they make poor decisions that will lead to your retrenchment or whether that leader is you in your community, it's a counsellor who always agrees that you can switch off my district switch off their lights, switch off their water, who never stands up for anything. Mm. Whether that leader is in your church or your place of worship or whether that leader is your president of your country, whether that leader is a leader of the World Bank, it comes back to impact all of those people who are under that authority. Mm. And so the leadership question is an important one, and the leadership um, crisis, as you say, is one we cannot ignore. Because if we have the right leaders who, who who know what kind of society we need and want, we will begin to feel the benefits at an individual level, right? And yes, one person can't do everything, but it just takes a visionary ethical leader to, to change the game for all of us. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at the caliber of leaders we have, in corporate in government in schools in across society we we shouldn't be surprised why our society is the way it is mm. right um we we really there is a call for a new breed of leaders and a new breed of leadership that 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 does not have personal self interest that understands that when you take on a leadership position you are agreeing to serve mm. not to be served right because if you understand that you are in service and you have been given this massive responsibility over people's lives i mean we would we would be far mm-hmm. right but we are in such dire straits but i believe that we it's a cycle life is a cycle <laughs> self correcting mm. and so you know, there's this, there's this musician I love so much. His name is Mandy Sichanchis. Mm-hmm. And he has a song that says, mi nibo vuka band. You know, one day, we'll wake up. People will wake up. People are waking up. Mm.
3: Um,
1: and I mean, the power is in the people. I mean, again, that's reflecting the values we hold as a society, mm. right? And who controls those values
0: who controls the narrative of what it is we must value as a people that was going to actually be my next question to say considering the diversity of the continent Mm. of our people of the classroom how do we teach our children to value or to hold different values different values in a sense that I can be compassionate. So how how do we develop within the, the, the school environment leaders or young people who value different things? Because it can be that we are teaching biology, right, the anatomy of the human body <laughs> with no <laughs> reference to what that actually means in the real world. You know, what does it mean for you to consume um food with gmos yes it's good for business in a sense that you can get more out of out of one animal or mm. out of whatever but what does it mean for the quality of life of people
1: that's probably the most unfortunate part of our education system is that we do not teach values as the core of the curriculum And when we do attempt to teach values, it's a peripheral, nice to have. Or it's a module or a section within the life orientation curriculum, right? A little bit on values and we move on. We are not infusing and embedding values across the subjects that we teach. What is important? How do you show up? Mm. Uh, what is right? What is wrong? And, and, and these are contestations of ideas. Again, we are not telling them what is right or wrong. We are having the conversation to understand what they deem to be right and mm. wrong against what we deem to be right and wrong. And we find alignment mm. or we, 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 we just don't. And that's also fine, right? So, so this, but we must be having the discussions around what is the implication of one particular de- uh, decision on five million people? What is the implication? And if the implication is that one person in a position of authority gains while five million people suffer, we could never make such decisions. Mm. And they will remember that. When they get into those positions, that it's a principle I learned, mm. And so I cannot make the call. and we teaching values are principles. Mm. We don't have to have case studies in your teaching methods, but you can, if you want, but you don't have to even measure them. You just need to show what is possible and how to think about these things, right? So yeah, I, I think there is an urgency for us to begin to infuse. Um, values and, and, and not just values, but identity, purpose, um, how the world works, you know, just how, how who are we? Mm. What are we here for? Mm. What, what, what would my contribution, what would I like for mm. my contribution to be, you know, and, and, and make kids understand that they are not, they, they, they don't have to do what we tell them. Right, mm. They must do what they know they should be doing. Mm. And i that's a difficult thing for many parents because we often prescribe, you must do because I know what you must do or I couldn't do it, so you must do it. This is a whole soul that has come for
0: its own purpose, not to extend your agenda. I love that you say that uh, years ago, I did my undergraduate at Regenesis Business mm. School. And in one of the brochures, They spoke about spiritual intelligence back then and I'm now seeing more and more in psychology and also just in being a developed human being adult that spiritual intelligence is a concept that is emerging. Many years ago emotional intelligence was a thing, especially for leaders. What do you think spiritual intelligence as a competence <laughs> can help us sort of like bring into the conversation? Mm. Because that Ubuntu, the principle of Ubuntu, simply put says beyond the body, I see the spirit within you. I see. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. It doesn't matter where you come from but I see you as a human being. And I think that is what we are lacking, right? And I don't think this is something that's been taught in schools. And it's the very same thing, I think, that could underpin tolerance. To say, before you are Muslim, before you choose to express yourself as female Mm. or or male, before you're a girl or identify as this, right? You are a human being. And that is what we need to respect on a, and observe firstly. Mm. And I think that speaks to that spiritual intelligence because then we think more than twice before we, 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 we infringe pain on another. Exactly. You know what? The promise
1: of spiritual intelligence, the brand promise mm. is that we will be unified as a people. Your pain will be my pain. Mm. And so I would never make a decision that could potentially harm another, right? Not just another in my home, not just another in my family, not just another in my, co- another, mm. right? We would come to acknowledge and understand um, what it means to be spiritual beings mm. having a human experience, mm. right? We would come to actually embody and understand what that really means. Mm. And so the promise of spiritual intelligence is that we would have such a a, a, a texture of relating with each other harmoniously, compassionately, right? It, 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 because when you reach high levels of spirituality, you write. right. You look beyond race, gender, religion, uh, you know, because ultimately we are all human beings. Mm. We are all just going through different stages in our evolution mm. of ourselves and we're experiencing ourselves differently at different stages so my being incredibly poor right now does not give you right to treat me any differently than if I was rich Mm. do you understand so I think that is the promise and I it's it's critical but I think because of where we are as a society there are people who are immediately against anything spiritual Mm. because of their own associations with spirituality and what it might mean, and mm. some people really do believe that spirituality erases religion
3: mm.
1: right and so i don't I don't want my child being spiritual because that means they might not go to church, mm. but spirituality is just leading people back to themselves
2: mm.
1: and back to their inner knowing, so that they can be directed from in. within,
0: and then it, it it sort of like also limits this over-identification with external things, right? Yes, 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 yes. Because that's where
1: assimilation comes from. The reason I think I must be like you, Mabatu, is because I just maybe don't know myself Mm. or I don't have an internal compass that tells me that, but you are like that. Mm. And you don't appreciate Mabatu for who Mabatu is expressing herself the manner in which she's showing up mm. but your manner may well be very different and that's also beautiful mm. right so yes to be led by yourself to be led internally by your own internal compass means that uniformity may cease to exist mm. and that might be and capitalism doesn't want
0: that right <laughs> You stole my words <laughs> out of my mouth. It doesn't work with the system. No, it doesn't. I'm thinking about um how inherently as Africans we are spiritual and how some of these concepts have always existed in our existence as a people. Mm. So, for instance, in Sisoto, there is a word called siriti. Mm. And I think in Xhosa or Zulu is Tunzi. Ah. I don't, I haven't found a word in English that properly describes what Siriti means. But my mother always, you know, uh, taught about, bani lisi Siriti, you know, a stature that went beyond. So you can be rich and have absolutely no Siriti. <laughs> yeah. and and how how do we explain that and, and i think that's one of the missing things in education or in the things that we prioritize as people how do we teach that because when you think about what is tunzi mm. means it's a way of being it's a way of existing it's how you carry yourself so conduct it's conduct but conduct doesn't quite capture, capture, it. capture it. That's where the issue of language becomes problematic, right?
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah. concepts like that, how do we bring them back mm. into the school? Mm. How do you explain what siriti is? So you can't go in the street being drunk and, you know, you can't be in the street half naked. Yes, we understand feminists that also. I'm a feminist myself, <laughs> <laughs> but, Siriti <laughs> <laughs> is Istunzi. Like, is,
1: how, like, Istima. How do you, presence. how do you describe that? Oh. And, and yeah. how do we teach that? Because I think it's one of the things that we miss. I think I'm going to develop a course called Istima. <laughs> because, you know, you, we, we, and, and the thing is, it's an essence thing. It and is. I think that's why you're saying, how do you even, you can't even translate it. Amatosa usually say, and I'm sure other ethnic groups say the same thing, that is to mm. Because there is just a nuancedness that is encapsulated in the word that, that English has no equivalent, right? So, so I, I get it. And, and I think if we taught his Dima, Man, because it is a kind of kingdom mm. or kingdom that you walk with. You know, the kind of the gravitas the human being has in there, in themselves. Mm. You almost acknowledge that person. You almost want to bow mm. because in them, there is this thing that I know who I am. Mm. There is nothing you are going to tell me that is going to move me this way or that way. Mm. I am not offended
3: mm. by
1: anything you might want to say to me. Mm. I, you know, I am, I am untouched
3: mm. by
1: your offenses. Mm. Ah, we must find ways to teach.
0: <laughs> we must, we must, we must. And ah. I think there's so much we could draw from who we really, really are. Mm. You know, because it would mean that we show up in that greatness, in that isedema. You know, when you walk, it doesn't matter, are you a cleaner, are you, that becomes irrelevant. That's right.
1: right? That's right. It's so powerful. And, and and I think we are limited. I mean, there are many ways, means of communication, and we, we use words predominantly. But what you are highlighting here is that isedema is an unspoken language mm. that commands only respect, that does not entertain anything less than what it knows it deserves. Mm. The difference here is that it doesn't say it with words. Mm. It says it with aura. Mm. My presence speaks volumes. I don't have to open my mouth and talk. I'm just going to sit here. Mm. And I will emit an energy that tells you how you should treat me. Effectively, that's what it is.
0: The flip side of that is that it's up to you to embody it, right? So you embody it in your behavior, in the thing, in in how you conduct yourself in your affairs. So the responsibility and the honors comes back to you as the individual, right?
1: We keep circling back to this, and I, the responsibility. We moved from being a victim because mm. you know, and I think it's an important theme that's coming up in our conversation that we must acknowledge the role we have to play. Not in the world necessarily, but in our own private lives. Mm. That every day, how do I conduct myself? What is my command of myself? Mm. Because that does determine my command of others, mm. right? So so I like what, the fact that you're saying, we We probably, it starts with you. How, how do I view myself? Because from what does that saying say? Your, your heart, the things that are in you, they overflow Mm. out. So we are only experiencing an output of how you treat yourself in how you treat other people.
0: I like that so much. Right. I like it so much. And I think going back to, to our main subject or topic, being, education and reframing it right it is what we are taught to believe we are that informs the kind of adults we produce Mm. so the education that people that young people receive is so critical the lens through which they see themselves because if you are there all the time learning that being eurocentric or western is the way it represents success opulence and you are going to reject everything about yourself of course
1: of course i mean we are (sighs) we, we are causing ourselves that pain right It's like we we sit here and we say, yeah, we want our kids to understand who they are and be Africans. And then we send them straight to Eurocentric institutions and we take a back seat and do not get involved in making sure that we have a counter. As we journey, because we do want that progress and we do want to be global citizens, but it requires serious effort on the other side to say remember who you are Mm. right the constant remember who you are and that is why we will continue to see kids who went to these great schools who succeed who go to harvard who come back and who do not advance the agenda of their people because they do not identify with them because nobody told them who they were and so they don't they don't belong Mm. right and they can never truly be europeans Mm.
0: because they they are not
1: but they are also not truly african because no one
0: they don't know what it means to be african exactly
1: i can't even remember the question you asked
0: what is the role of parents in in all of this
1: oh major parents i mean parents play parents are passive And I speak from my experience, right? Of course, I'm generalizing there's parents that are not, but generally parents are very passive. Parents pay their way through everything. Um, They are paying for an education, therefore they don't need to educate. Mm. And what parents don't understand is that their kids are emulating their behavior. You know, the psychology of parent-child relationships is such that I do what my parents do i mm. I show up in the ways they do i I take on their values, I take on their fears, I take on their shame, I take on their shrinking i take on and then I become mm. like my parents. so mm. yeah, I think um parents need to be uh, f- firstly parents must heal because that's probably the first step mm. in my in my experience is that parents are wounded. They have childhood trauma they have not dealt with. They are going through the most. Mm -hmm. And they are parenting and they are raising kids, sometimes alone. They are distressed. They are trying to make a living. They are lonely. They are hurt. And they are trying to raise children in the mix of all of that. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot. And so they need support structures, support systems. They need to heal their trauma so that they can show up as better humans for their children.
0: Okay. Last question. A picture of a school that you think presents more opportunity to develop well-balanced human beings? What does it look like?
1: (sighs) It's a reflection of the society we we, we are in, in terms of economics, in terms of government, in terms of... It's reflective of the society. And, and, And the school puts it to the students that this is where we are. Where do you suggest we should be going? Mm. What do you suggest we should do? Because we also can't come to children assuming they they can't think and tell them what it is we should be looking like. Mm. We should in fact be asking them, what are your suggestions? And you'll be shocked to hear some of the things we have not dared to explore Mm. and some of the greatest ideas. So you are inculcating a thinking culture. Um, But then the school is also very cognizant of the human being and how to nurture a human that is becoming you know a human that is how do you guide a human soul Mm. and you guide a human soul not just by teaching them technical skills needed in the economy Mm. but you help them and you guide them towards the best versions of themselves um so that we may have one day great leaders who are socially conscious and and who are able to understand that they are here to serve their fellow human beings mm.
0: yeah thank you so much yandi so for the amazing conversation i definitely thank hope you. we can have more of these conversations because yeah. I, I really think they're important but thank you so
1: much thank you for having me <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for sharing your time with us today i truly hope you learned something new felt something, and were inspired to cultivate a more conscious life. I would love to connect with you, hear your thoughts and story. Please feel free to reach out. Our contact details can be found on montem.co.za.